0: Children may be dismissed at junior church, and we are going to be going to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We'll read another passage to you in a bit. I love that hymn, and most of you probably know the story of the hymn written by a man who lost his daughters, I think three of them, at sea, um, and as he was on a ship going to join his wife, and they were passing the location where his daughters had died at sea. This is the late 1800s. He wrote that marvelous hymn It is well, it is well with my soul. We do not always understand why God permits or allows the things he does or why things work out a certain way. We may never understand because we'll never be omniscient. But may we be able to sing that to the Lord as well. It is well, it is well with my soul. We're going to step aside from our Romans series today to talk about uh, spiritual truth that our daily living and eternity are on Jesus, not on us. A lot of times we are overwhelmed, thinking it's all on us, but it's really on Jesus. And that's a good plug for something. A few weeks, or maybe even a month ago now, maybe six or seven weeks ago, I referenced a video called Indescribable, which is part of the Passion Conference Tour, and it's Louis Giglio. If any of you know a Charles Stanley, Louis Giglio grew up in Charles Stanley's church. Him and Andy Stanley were buddies, and now him and Andy Stanley are both pastoring churches, very big churches as well, with a large ministry, and Louis Giglio's written some of our new songs. He's written songs with Chris Tomlin, if you've heard of him. Well, around 20, 22 years ago, Louis Giglio started a major, major conference called Passion Conference. John Piper has been one of the key speakers there. And there's been a lot of spiritual growth, a lot of repentance, a lot of revival through those conferences. And at some point, I think it was part of the Passion Conferences, he gave a message titled Indescribable. And I'm playing that message in my Sunday School class. We started it today, we'll finish it next week. And indescribable, he shows pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope of all these galaxies far, far away, but not in a land Long, long ago. That'd be Star Wars if you catch the reference. No. <laughs> Galaxies far, far away. And he, actually, he breaks down, you know, how many miles are in a light year and how many light years are these. He shows a picture from the Voyager that went out in like 1978 as it was exiting our solar system or right about where it's getting to our solar system. He showed a picture of Earth from there. You, you really can't make it out unless you, he points it out. He shows all these amazing images And the point is how amazing our God is, how awesome our God is. And it's easy. He he shares a quote from Neil Armstrong after he saw the first picture, uh, well, not picture. He's on the moon looking at earth, and Neil Armstrong could cover earth with his thumb. And it made him think of how small he was. But doesn't that make us think of how awesome God is, that he Calls the Bible, Louis Giglio quotes many scriptures from the Psalms and from Isaiah and from Job. The Bible says God calls these stars by name. Louis Giglio shows a picture of a certain galaxy that's actually referenced in Job. And yet, in how amazing and marvelous God is, it can make us feel small, but it should also make us feel special because God cares about us. God cares about you and me. He calls us by name. He flung those stars in the sky. He created them. He put them where he wanted them to be in the the beginning of creation. Louis Giglio points out, you know, we say, oh, I would have loved to be there when God said, let there be light. And he points out, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) Because when God spoke, the light came out of his mouth at 186,000 Miles per second, I think that is, light speed. (laughs) You know, you would not want to be there when God was doing that. And obviously, the point is, we'd love to see it, how amazing God is. And he cares about you and me. He cares about us. That's the God we worship. He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He's amazing. So if you missed that... um, you can come. We're about 30 minutes in. We have 15 to 20 minutes left. Next week we'll finish it in my Sunday School class. There's another one which I may play eventually called How Great Is Our God where he, and he played a little bit of this in today's, in today's video, but there's sounds that pulsar stars make. We put radio telescopes facing these pulsar stars and they make sounds. And in the video How Great Is Our God, he plays those sounds and puts How Great Is Our God over it. And they sing How Great Is Our God, the sounds of pulsar stars. What's the point? All of the heavens, all of the universe is praising God. Jesus said, if they keep silent, the rocks will cry out. We get a privilege of worshiping God. And we worship God, the whole universe is worshiping God. He is awesome. And so as a reminder, as we go into today's message, that our eternity and our daily living are on Jesus, not on us. Memorial Day was established after the Civil War. All these men served in the war between the states. All these families sacrificed the, and the hus, as the husband was gone. The father was gone. And you know I'm reading a book. It's 792 pages about Stonewall Jackson right now. Read uh, two years ago a biography about Grant. There was over 1,000 pages. Last year, you could find this on History Channel's app. History Channel made a three-part miniseries about Ulysses S. Grant. They called him a bloody butcher because he was willing to do what it took to win the war. It's not that he needlessly sacrificed lives. The war between the states was a horrible war. To this day, we lost more lives in that war than any other war. In fact, I want to say maybe even more than all of them combined. And so after that war was over, after the Civil War was ended, they started Memorial Day, and I think they called it Decoration Day at first. I don't have that in my notes. And that was in a a time to honor those who had fallen honor those families who have lost loved ones to protect our freedoms. Families were torn apart. What was that like uh, for the soldier? What was that like for the leaders? And some of you might know, some of you lost family members to World War II or Vietnam or maybe another war, maybe even more recently. You know what that's like to get that news. What's that like? And, And then on another way, What's it like for the leaders during a wartime? I wonder if the leaders thought the weight of the war was all on them. What, what about Lincoln? A few years ago, I read a book, uh, Team Rivals, about Lincoln and his cabinet. His cabinet were all political rivals, and he, in a wise way, as a mastermind, managed him. A wonderful book by uh, Doris Corn- Kearns Goodwin, I think her name is. Was that like for Lincoln? How did, he, how did he make it through the war? He lost his own son during the war, not from the war, from sickness, but his other son was actually serving in the war under Grant. Was that like? I'm sure that he felt, I'm sure that President Lincoln felt the war was on him. I'm sure he felt like the future of the United States was on him. What was it like for soldiers and families through the war? How, how, did, it, how did they make it through the day? I'm sure that they all... Felt like the weight of the war was on them there was a show i watched i listened to it's a podcast a few years ago called backstory and they did a backstory about world war one and funny as it may seem in the beginning of world war one america did not want to go in or maybe that's not funny maybe you all know that maybe this is the next funny part not funny in a real humorous way just kind of in an odd way we actually had songs about not going into the war for example There's a song, the the lyrics go something like this. I will spare you singing it, but I will read it. Ten million soldiers to the war have gone, who may never return again. Ten million mothers' hearts must break for the ones who died in vain. Head bowed down in sorrow in her lonely years. I heard a mother's murmur through her tears. Chorus. I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. I brought him up to be my pride and joy. Who dares to place a musket on on his shoulder to shoot some others? Mothers, darling boy. let nations arbitrate their future troubles. It's time to lay the sword and gun away. There'd be no war today if mothers all would say, I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. Verse 2. What victory can cheer a mother's heart when she looks at her blighted home? What victory can bring her back all she cared to call her own? Lay each mother answer in the years to be. Remember that my boy belongs to me. Within a few years, America entered the war towards the end of World War I. You know the story. You know the history. And within a few years after we entered, there was a song titled, Over There. Some of you have probably heard it or heard of it. it you, know, you probably recognize it when I say the chorus, but the verse says, Johnny, get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. Take it on the run, on the run, on the run. Hear them calling, you and me, every sons of liberty. Hurry right away. No delay. Go today. Make your daddy glad. To have had such a lad, tell your sweetheart not to pine, to be proud, her boy's in line. And in verse 2, Johnny, get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. Johnny, show the hun, you're a son of a gun. Hoist a flag and let her fly. Yankee doodle, do or die. Pack your little kit, show your grit, do your bit. Yankee to the ranks, from the towns and the tanks. Make your mother proud of you. In the old red, white, and blue. Over there over there, send the word, send the word over there. You know that chorus probably. The Yanks are coming. Gee, I almost started singing. I'm going to spare you. The Yanks are coming. The drums rum-tumming everywhere. So prepare. Say a prayer. Send the word, send the word to beware. We'll be over. We're coming over. And we won't come back till it's over, over there. I wonder the burden our soldiers felt and their families felt. I, am for one, am grateful for our soldiers and our families of soldiers uh, sacrificing today or sacrificed throughout history to, for our freedoms, to preserve and protect our freedoms. And I, for one, am also prayerful right now because I just don't see the patriotism I used to see. When World Day weekend when I was a kid I was in Cub Scouts and we had a veterans cemetery in Dayton they have one outside Akron around here and we always went to put flags on all the graves and we always wanted to get to the grave where my grandfather was buried at that veterans cemetery to show our patriotism and our support to their families but transitioning from that with the same theme of burden do you ever feel burdened? Do you ever feel the weight of the world is on you? You know, we can look at this topic in two ways. One way is our living all about us. Is our daily living all about us? Are all the pressures of our daily living all on us? Do we feel the weight of the pressures and the stressors of daily living is all on us? We may feel that way. The second way, what about salvation? What about our faith in Christ? Do, do, do we ever feel that our spiritual condition, our eternal life is all on us? Both of those are untrue. Both those are not true. The weight of eternity is not all on us. Jesus took it at the cross. The pressures of daily living are not all on us. Jesus wants us to give him our burdens and to let him help us. A year ago, I preached on lies we believe versus biblical truth. And I just preached one sermon about a lie we believe versus biblical truth. Today, I want to focus on another lie we believe versus biblical truth. As we look at these lies, at this lie today, some may think, duh, I know, I, I know that that's a lie, that the weight of the world isn't really on us. And I, I know that's not true. I know it's not true. But I want to ask you, can you substantiate it from the Bible? It's important that we are schooled in the Bible and that we can go to the word of God and we can say, that's a lie that the devil tells us. The devil tells us the weight of eternity is on us. The devil tells us the weight of the world is on us. And God tells us, uh-uh. God tells us, come to me, the verse we're going to read in a minute. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and heartened. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a lie we believe, but there is biblical truth about that. So today I want to talk about how your eternity and daily living, they're on Jesus, not on you. The God who calls the stars by name, who put them in the galaxies, all these galaxies, who created everything with his breath, really. He cares about you. He cares about us. So my application is surrender continually to Jesus. Pray continually to Jesus. Let me share right now, because I was listening to a podcast titled The Language of God, interviewing a Christian scientist the other day. He shared something very interesting to me. You know, sometimes we do have organic issues causing depression, causing anxiety, and sometimes Christians have trouble seeking treatment. There's no problem seeking treatment. You know, that's between you and your doctor, but that's not a wrong thing to do. God gives us medical abilities, and if somebody has diabetes, they, they need uh, something to, you know, help monitor their blood sugar. And you can also have chemical imbalances causing more anxiety and depression. It's interesting, the scientists, Christian scientists in this interview on this podcast shared, you know, studies have been done of those that only seek medical treatment. They get antidepressants, they get anxiety medications, but they only get that. And they do like those double-blind studies, you know, and they only do that. And then there were studies done of people that ignore medical treatment and only get counseling treatment, which I'm behind too. We got to get, God gives counselors. That's very, very important. And then studies were done of those who get both. And those who are best off are those that got both. Now, now, sometimes you need counseling and you don't really have a medical organic issue. You just need God to use a Christian counselor, a Christian pastor, a Christian friend to help you. But sometimes we need both actually i think that anybody on medication for a chemical imbalance should also see a counselor but you know our eternity and daily living are on jesus and sometimes you know we need that extra help through being willing to talk to somebody and get that support as well so let's read matthew 11 through 30 once again jesus says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest Who's giving us rest? Who are we going to? Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. Come to Jesus. All you who are, la- who are heavy laden, who are in labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, he will give us rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Notice the pronouns. Take my, Jesus' is yoke upon you, and learn from who? Learn from me. Learn from Jesus. This is Jesus speaking here. Jesus says, for I am gentle, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Chuck Swindoll is preaching through Matthew on his Insight for Living a radio program. I've been listening, and he gave a few great messages, I think three actually, on this passage. Actually, it's one message, but they divide it in three parts because he preaches very long. And um, seriously like twice as long as I do just so you know and uh, and he said he always points out great things I love Chuck Swindoll and really my favorite preacher to listen to and he says this is the only place in the bible that he can tell where Jesus gives insight into his own character like his own not not character as, as in the attributes of God but it, look at it it says Jesus says for my yoke is easy my burden is light. There's no other place in the Bible where Jesus talks about his, his yoke, his stress, his burden. A yoke is a burden. We'll come back to that in a minute. So this is saying our salvation is not all on us. It's on, it's on Jesus. This passage is for, first and foremost about salvation. It's not first and foremost about daily living. We'll come back to daily living in a moment. But this passage is first and foremost about how we, how we get saved. Now, we can make a case that our daily living is not all on us. And like I said, I'll come back to that. We can maybe even make a case indirectly. You can, in an indirect way, apply this passage to to daily living. But first and foremost, directly, this passage is about how we get saved, our salvation. The people in Jesus' day were burdened with the Jewish law, with the Jewish law. This law did not all come from Scripture. The Pharisees added to Scripture. The Pharisees added tradition and made tradition equal to Scripture. So the people were always burdened with the burdens the Pharisees placed upon them. They were faced with these heavy, heavy loads. No one could keep the law. And then in addition to no one being able to keep the law, no one could keep all the burdens the Pharisees placed upon them. Jesus fulfilled the law for them. Jesus kept the whole law, did not sin, did not miss once, and he went to the cross for us. We can't keep the law. That's why Jesus did it for us. Jesus died in our place. So people had all these heavy burdens, and Jesus saw all their burdens. He saw the stress they were under trying to earn salvation. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Now you may ask, what is a yoke? because we're not really an agricultural society anymore, right? I know a lot about yolks because I like eggs. No, I'm just kidding. I know a lot about yolks because I uh, grew up watching Little House on the Prairie and I think of a yoke of oxen. Well, a yoke was symbolic in more ways than that. Actually, it was a metaphor. The yoke was the wooden frame joining two animals, usually oxen, for pulling heavy loads. And it was a metaphor. It was a metaphor for one person's subjection to another. And it was a common metaphor in Judaism for the law, the yoke of the law. The people had to be submissive submissive in subjection to the law. And they were burdened with this law. They were burdened and heavy laden with the law. And Jesus says, Come to me. The law yoke is heavy, my yoke is not. The Pharisaic interpretation of the law with its extensive list of proscriptions had become a crushing burden, but was believed by the people to be of divine origin. Jesus' yoke of discipleship, on the other hand, brings rest through simple commitment to him. Jesus' yoke of discipleship brings rest through commitment to him. So Jesus is calling us, go to him, go to him. It's not about religion, but about Jesus. It's not about religiously following roles, but following Jesus. We will follow one or the other. You will either follow Jesus or a list of moral roles And Jesus. When we follow Jesus, certainly he wants to do us to do us morally right. But we've got to put first things first. We've got to put Jesus on the throne. We've got to make him Lord of our life. We have to surrender to him. And then we have the Holy Spirit within us to help us in this life. And I'll come back to that. So my ex- exhortation to you is leaning on Jesus. Lean in on Jesus. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about Jesus. Religion is about earning your way to heaven. But Christianity is about trusting in what Jesus has done to pay our way to heaven. And we have daily help. I want to look at another passage, John's Gospel, chapter fourteen, verses sixteen to seventeen. If you want to turn there, you can. If you follow along in the notes, it's in the notes too. John chapter fourteen, verses sixteen to seventeen. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit a lot, haven't we? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit from from the Book of Romans and Romans chapter eight. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, which is the birthday of the church, and the Sunday we celebrate uh, the the Holy Spirit coming upon the church in Acts chapter two. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit again in John fourteen verses. 16 to 17 jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments and jesus continues and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper capital h to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you jesus is talking about the holy spirit jesus says i will ask the father and he will give you another helper capital h who's he talking about anyone Himself and through the Holy Spirit. Himself through the Holy Spirit coming upon us. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, but the point is that you can always place your burden on Jesus. Your eternal, your eternal life is on Jesus, and your life now is on Jesus. It's not, it's not all on you. Jesus wants us to share our burdens with him. Jesus wants us to surrender our burdens to him. Now, how do you give it to Jesus? First, you surrender your eternal life to Jesus. Jesus. First, you surrender your life to Jesus. I I was overjoyed. It's great when you go to visit somebody in the hospital or somebody and you come away feeling a little refreshed, which oftentimes happens when we get to pray with people. But I was visiting Joan the other day and I was talking with someone else who was there and they were talking about how they were saved. It's awesome to hear how people were saved. It's awesome to hear how people surrendered their life to Jesus. And this particular person who shared her testimony uh, before, and I hope will again here, uh, shared how, you know, she grew up in church, thought she was doing all the right things, but somebody else was saved. And as this other person was saved, uh, this person delivered their life to Jesus, surrendered their life to Jesus, and started telling this other woman who he worked with, you got to surrender to Jesus. You have to surrender to Jesus. How awesome it is to see that fresh spiritual life. So the first thing we have to do is surrender to Jesus. That's the first thing we have to do. We have to surrender our lives to Jesus. If you haven't done that, then today is an awesome day to make it your spiritual birthday and surrender your life to Jesus. Some of you might have been coming here for decades, all your life, maybe gone to all these churches all your life, but you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. You've been a believer, maybe you learned catechisms and learned scripture and learned all the right things, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Then make today the day to surrender your life to Jesus. Secondly, we have to keep a constant connection with Jesus. It's not about saying a sinner's prayer going forward and then living however you want. It's about saying that sinner's prayer from the bottom of your heart because you are really professing that you are committing your life to Jesus and then living every day following Jesus. Living every day, waking up in the morning and praying, Lord, I'm surrendering this day to you and getting in the word of God and being involved in your church family. That's how we live the Christian life with Jesus. The weight of the future is on God, not us. He wants us, we, we will all deal with stress. I do too. I'm a type A person. And it was interesting. This is extra credit, just so you know. Um, I was listening to John MacArthur and John Piper, if you know them. They were answering questions at a, some type of a big, big conference. And John Piper shared about this midlife crisis when he was like 40 years old. He's sitting crying on the steps at a retreat center. He, he was speaking somewhere and staying somewhere and he's crying. He didn't even know why he was crying. His wife's like, what's wrong? And uh, I don't know why I'm crying. And now Piper's, you know, in his mid 70s now, so we're talking a long, long, long time ago. But he didn't know why, you know, something just overcame him. And John MacArthur, if you never listen to John MacArthur, he's on Christian radio, written many books, great study Bible. John MacArthur says, When I get complaints or criticisms in the ministry, I just go to the next thing. He's type A. I just got to go to the next thing. I don't get overwhelmed with it. I just go to the next thing. Well, thank God for John MacArthur. I hope that someday I can be like him because it's way easier said than done. In fact, John MacArthur kind of said, I feel like I missed something. I didn't have that 40-year-old midlife crisis that Piper was talking about. The point is, and John Piper would say this, John MacArthur would say this, they all would say this. Jesus says it. We need to surrender things to the Lord. Sometimes we have to surrender them again and again and again, right? Sometimes we have those thoughts going through our head, automatic negative thinking, or worry, or doubt, or anxiety, and fear. And I've used this before, so you'll hear this again. And they're like TV stations. We're tuning in on the wrong station, in our head. We need to grab the remote control and change the channel in our head. What do we change it to? Sometimes we have to change it a couple of times. We need to change it to God's Word. We need to change it to Matthew 11:28 through 30. Hey, Jesus is taking care of our salvation Nothing else matters compared to that. Really, I mean, seriously, you got all eternity take care of with Jesus. Jesus gives us life now and life everlasting. John ten ten, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give us life and give it to us abundantly. John fifteen four, Jesus says, "Abide in me, and I in you." Jesus is the vine; we are the branches. We got to change a chant on our head to Scripture. And sometimes the devil and the fallenness of the world and the sin prompt wants to keep changing the channel back to this other thing. You know, like a, a, broken, a broken TV set. And we got to keep saying, no, give me back to remote control. You know, I'm changing it back to the word of God. I'm changing it back to prayer. Sometimes we have to call our church family and say, pray for me. You know, I'm especially burdened today. The weight of the world, the weight of eternity, the weight of our daily living is not on us. It's on Jesus. We just have to turn it over to him. I want to go back to the Civil War, or World War I, or World War II. Each soldier made a difference, right? Was the weight of the war on one soldier or another? No, right? All the soldiers came together. In fact, that's one way the North won. They had way, 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 way more soldiers than the South. And that's an advantage that President Lincoln kept wanting a general to take advantage of until finally President Grant was one who would fight. All the soldiers came together, and that's how they won the war. As Christians, it's the same thing. We've got to all come together to build each other up. Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily broken. One can be overpowered, but when two and three come together, we are strong. And you got the Holy Spirit, and you have the Word of God, and that's powerful. God gives us help through prayer. God gives us help through the Word of God. God gives us help through the church. More than that, we need, we need to remember that God is in charge. Amen. God is in charge. Do we really believe that? This is where it gets difficult, right? I referenced Memorial Day, and I referenced things like that. And some of you may be thinking, was God on America's side? Was America on God's side? And it was Lincoln saying, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. We've got to make sure we're seeking the Lord's way. And the Lord's way, too. We must make sure we go to the Lord. And sometimes we can go to the Lord in prayer and we can say, Jesus, I hope I'm doing the right thing. Please help me. We can always ask God for help. We can always give our burden over to God. God puts people at different places and times for different times and seasons for a specific reason. God is in charge. God is available to help us. We can turn our burden over to God. The weight is on God and not on us and God can handle the weight too. My last application exhortation to you today is pray like a child. You ever notice the faith of a child way stronger than than us? A few weeks ago Mercedes hands me this little booklet she had written. It was it wasn't you know a major booklet just a little thing with a bunch of pages put together and stapled pretty much telling the gospel. So easy, You know, let a kid declare the gospel because I think they could do it way, way better than any adult. The faith of a child is powerful. Jesus saw that. We are taught to pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Jesus talks about the faith of a child in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. How do children talk to their parents? You ever listen to how children, especially young children, talk to their parents? When children are talking to their parents, they don't think about how to formulate words perfectly, do they? They just passionately share what they want. They have trust. They have confidence in their parents. They don't think about, I'm going to word this just the right way in order to get the desired response. They don't do that, especially young children, right? Especially young children. Maybe when they're teenagers, they think to, you know, shock the parent with something else before they shock them with the tattoo. But I'm talking about young children. You know, young children, they don't formulate their words. They just go to their dad or their mom and they say what they want. That's what we should do in prayer. And I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. No, I'm just saying, ask the Lord what we want, what we need. Understand sacrifice. It's funny when you listen to kids, they beg and they will repeatedly ask us questions. They don't try to formulate their words carefully. They just ask. Many times while a child is asking something, it's not even making sense. They don't care. They just ask. My children will ask for help. There's no hesitancy at all in my young kids asking what they want from us. Abigail, I was reminded of this when I was putting this sermon together. Abigail was, I think, three or four years old, and we had a childcare preschool at church. And I look out at her. I'm in my office, and I look out at her. And we had a state inspector, and Abigail was trying to get her coat on to go outside. She didn't care that the person was a state inspector or anything else. She just said, "Will you help me?" She didn't care. She just asked. You know, she could ask a teacher who she trusted. She could ask me. I was kind of behind her, but she asked the person. She just asked. She didn't hesitate to ask. I believe we need to talk to God like a child. We need to keep an ongoing conversation with God. We need to pray specifics to God. We need to pray continually to God. We need to pray with trust that God is mighty, he's amazing, he's awesome, he's mighty to save and he cares about you and me and everyone and so there's nothing at all to fear. I think it was last Sunday's sermon. No, it'll be a couple weeks. I'm ahead of myself. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says, if God did not spare his own son, think about that. God did not spare his own son in saving us. Therefore, he will graciously give us all things we need. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit and salvation. So, your eternity and daily living is on Jesus, not on you. Surrender continually to Jesus. Pray continually. Here's an application. This week, try to pray... About everything. Seriously, everything. Going into a rough meeting, pray to God before you go in. Uh, Having a conversation with your child, adult children, grandchildren, whoever, pray about it. Having a conversation with someone else, pray about it. Going to do whatever, pray about everything. Talk to God as your good and loving father and pray. And here's where the application gets real specific. At the end of each day, record in a prayer journal how you've done You don't have a prayer journal? Take your bulletin home or the prayer list out there and record how you've done. Are you praying to God about everything? Because God wants to help. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that Bethel friends, members, and attendees, and all those who listen to this sermon will do this. And I pray this for me too. May we never, ever, ever forget to pray about everything. Oh, Lord God, may we come to you with the confidence of a child. May we come to you with the faith of a child. A child has so much trust in their parents. May we have that trust in you. And like a parent who loves their children, you love us, Lord God, with an unending love. And Lord God, as I always say, if there's anyone here or anyone listening who maybe has believed in you but never committed their life to you, May today be the day when they commit their life to you as Lord and Savior. May they tell you that in a simple prayer, knowing they're not saved by the prayer, they're saved by the heart. But the prayer is important in telling you what we're doing. Lord Jesus, I confess I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I'm trusting my life with you. I'm committing to you committing my life to you. Lord God, many of us here have committed our life to you years ago, decades ago, longer. But Lord, it doesn't mean we don't have burdens, and we don't have stress, and we don't have anxiety, we don't have fear, and we don't have worry. And so Lord God, may we turn them over to you. And Lord God, I pray that the Holy Spirit wrap your arms around us and help us and support us with the reminder of your word that you own it all. You're in control. You send us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. If you said a prayer of salvation today or any day, please share it with somebody. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. If if this is new to you, and maybe you're watching online and it's new to you, you don't know much about Christianity, I always say this, I say it again, talk to me, I I would love to talk to you. Even if maybe you're antagonistic to the faith and you're a non-Christian, but you want questions answered, I would love to talk to you about the faith. And the altars are always open. As the praise team leads the closing song, if you have a burden and you want to come forward and lay it to the Lord, come forward to the altars. Go ahead, Steve.